Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast, episode 113. Don't say no to an opportunity because you, you never know what that may turn into down the road. This is the NSCA's Coaching Podcast, where we talk to strength and conditioning coaches about what you really need to know, but probably didn't learn in school. There's strength and conditioning, and then there's everything else. Welcome to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. I'm Eric McMahon. Today, we're joined by strength and conditioning coach Mike Snowden of University of Alabama men's basketball program. Mike and I connected at Sorenex Summer Strong. We were uh, in the outdoor training area, cutting it up between sessions. So Mike, it's great to have you with us and keep the conversation going. Thank you, it's glad to be here and appreciate you for uh, having me on. Awesome, so Mike, it's your th- going into your third season with the Alabama men's basketball program. Wanna give you the opportunity to tell your story, how you got into the profession and uh, up to where you're at today. Okay, so my path, uh, I would say the unconventional route, uh, always enjoyed training, always enjoyed uh, kind of the process of preparing for competition, that sort of thing. Uh, but from Frederick, Maryland, I knew I wanted to do something different. Uh, so I actually joined the Navy right out of high school. Uh, I spent seven years in the military. While I was there, uh, I guess this is probably my the end of my third year, uh, our fitness director for the ship that I was on, the USS George Washington, was was uh, working with a rugby team on the on the side in Japan, and uh, just through some conversations with her, you know, I was like, hey, can I come watch you one day? Went out, watched her, and I was like, that's what I'm doing. So, pretty much from that day on, I was dead set on getting into the field of uh, strength conditioning. Um, and you know, my first my first uh, contract there was four years. So coming up at the end of that. I got offered an opportunity to go back to Northern Virginia. I'm from, like I said, I'm from Maryland, uh, working in the DC area, uh, an opportunity to go work for the white house. And I'm like, well, I can't, I can't say no to that. Right. So, um, so I would work, basically work during the day for the military. And then at night I would go to school, uh, at the community college and knock out some of my lower level courses. And so I was there for three years. Uh, and during that time, I really just kind of use that as a opportunity to just prepare myself to move into the field for the next three years. So I would, you know, research strength conditioning. I'm calling coaches, trying to figure out how they got to where they were, what steps they took. Um, and really just kind of laid out the roadmap. So from there, when I actually did get out of the Navy in 2012, I uh, went to George Mason University, got my undergrad there uh, in kinesiology and, you know, just mean professors, that sort of thing. I, I, you know, Dr. Margaret Jones was my advisor who, you know, was at Springfield College and kind of got things rolling there. And as you know, Springfield's the, yeah. the mecca for strength conditioning, right? So she, she was uh, my advisor too. Okay, nice. Yeah. So I got tied in with her and she introduced me to some people. Um, and, you know, did a bunch of internships while I was there. <clears throat> Following George Mason, I uh, I went to VCU. I was a graduate assistant there for uh, men's basketball, working with strength and conditioning. Uh, so I spent one year there, did a master's degree. And, uh, you know, my year there as a graduate assistant, we played Buffalo under uh, first-year head coach Nate Oates. You know, before the game, just bumped into him. One of the assistants said hello, kind of, kind of quick. Uh, kept in touch briefly, just, just, just random emails every now and then. Um, and I went back to George Mason full time. Uh, at that point, I was there for a year, and then uh, they posted a job for the University of uh, University of Buffalo uh, strength conditioning position. So reached out about that. Uh, Thankfully, Coach O tired me. I uh, spent two years up there with him. Uh, then he took the job at Alabama and gave me an opportunity to come down here. Um, so coming up on our third season, like you mentioned, so that's been my my journey in the field. And 
you know, got help from a lot of people along the way. That's great. Uh, you know, I hear this from a lot of coaches. There's always that period where we're maybe working multiple jobs or doing, you know, different things in the field than maybe what we aspire to do in the long run. But, you know, you're in the military, you're going to school, you're, uh, you're planning ahead for your future after that. And uh, I thought really cool. You touched on it briefly, opportunity to work with the White House. Uh, talk about that a little bit. What'd you do? Yeah, so I worked, uh, you know, I'm sure everybody's seen the, the green helicopters the president flies on. So uh, I worked there, Marine Helicopter Squadron One. Um, basically everywhere the president goes, we would go, you know, a week ahead of time, kind of set up shop. I worked in logistics. Uh, I signed up for logistics anyway. <laughs> anyway. Um, but when I got there, so basically we would go, uh, and anything, some, anytime something looked like it was going to go bad, smelled like it was going to go bad, we'd uh, try to find a replacement part and get that to uh, get that to our maintenance guys as quick as we could. So we'd be, you know, flying through flying through Iowa in the middle of the night, and we'd have to, you know, find the closest base or even get it shipped from back home in Quantico out to to wherever we were. So that was that was my job. That's cool, and you know, speaks to the resourcefulness that you probably use today as a as a strength coach and just having to be versatile and, and apply a lot of different skills. So I thought that was such a cool uh, experience that you shared in your bio when you were getting ready for this. And uh, I just, you know, I wanted to bring that up here today. Uh, you know, I thought it was also really interesting. You know, you've been with coach Nate Oates at Buffalo where you guys had some success and now at Alabama where you guys really uh, had a great season last year, maybe a little unexpected how great it was. And so um, talk about your relationship with your head coach and how that's been, how he supports the strength and conditioning program and just how that's grown over the years. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I think coach Oates and his, you know, the people that knows, knows him much longer than I have will, will speak to it, but he's, he's a great leader. Um, you know, great leader, young man, when I, he took an opportunity or took a chance on me when I was coming from my, uh, you know, my current job, I had women's basketball, women's volleyball, and women's lacrosse. And, you know, like I say, took a chance, uh, gave me an opportunity, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, then also did it again coming to Alabama. But, you know, I, I think we, one, hit it off because he doesn't have a very conventional route either in this field. You know, he's a, a high major college basketball coach. Um, but, you know, less than 10 years ago, he was teaching high school math class. <laughs> Uh, so, so we both got some unique journeys there. Uh, I think that kind of ties us together. Um, but he also, from a strength conditioning standpoint, one, he trains. So he understands what we're doing. Uh, he understands what we, what we have in the room. If I say I need something, he knows I'm not just saying it because I want it. I know it because it's an, an actual need. So he understands that piece of it. Uh, but he also lets me, lets me coach, you know, I've, I've worked with multiple sports, um, multiple coaches, and it's, and it's not always like that. And even today, I still hear stories. Uh, uh, just coaches, you know, in the field and just some of the situations they're in. And I, you know, I'm thankful for that because like I said, at the end of the day, he lets me coach, uh, you know, he puts trust in me to, to take care of the guys and help them and, you know, help them be prepared to practice and play games. Um, and I know when it's time to stay out of it as well. So there's, there's a balancing act there, but, but it's been a great relationship. Nice. So, uh, you know, like I said, we first met back in May at Summer Strong. And now it's about that time we're getting back on campus with, with athletes getting into the academic year. Take us through the men's basketball uh, calendar year, you know, through the fall semester, spring, up to the tournament and, and beyond. Yeah, so to be honest with you, it kind of never stops. We, uh, again, we were here uh, eight weeks in the summer period, eight hours a week. 
four hours on the floor, four hours in the weight room. That's continued uh, as school started back up. It'll continue our first practice this year, I believe is going to be September 28th. Um, and then we'll ramp up to 20 hours. But, uh, you know, it's that you see the t-shirts that say, you know, <laughs> Alabama basketball never stops and it really doesn't. Uh, throughout this, throughout the year, we're still training. Um, obviously, the volume is much lower, um, but we're still trying to make like help guys stay safe, stay strong, and, and be able to perform. Um, you know, kind of that March, April, whenever you wrap up, we'll go down. Uh, we may train three days a week then. Um, you know, but you want guys to, to be fresh. And for us, you know, that back half of the season can be tough on them academically, as, as far as going to class and that sort of thing. Especially this year when we were out in you know Nashville and Indianapolis for a month and a half. Um, so make sure you guys are caught up there, but, uh, you know, we're, we're kind of always going for the most part, we get in about four times a week, uh, in our little train. So when we think college sports is typically that four or five year window of development with, with players, how do you approach that from a training standpoint when players come on campus as a, as a freshman or, uh, you first get to work with them all the way up through, uh, you know when they're getting more playing time and when they're on the when they're on the court and up through their junior senior year. Yeah, so I mean year one, or even you know for us the block one. I mean you come in, you got to see what they can do first. I don't. I think that the days where you come in and just throw a bar and it gets back is is pretty much gone, <laughs> right? Um, at least if you want to you want to stay around for a while. Um, so it's all for us. It's all movement based, right? What what can you do? We want to see what they can do. Um, and you know, there's an entire assessment protocol and stuff we use in that, both on the in the strength and conditioning side, also on the athletic training side, um, to kind of see where each guy's at and want to meet them with where they're at with, with what we're doing in the room. Um, but really, from the year one, we keep it simple with them uh, and then progress them through. Year two for us is a lot more. You know, now that they know the movements, okay, where can we make changes or greater changes? You know, both from a nutrition side, from a from a lifestyle side. Uh, to, to kind of better enhance what we've already got going. And the same thing in four, really, I'd say year three or four, uh, we're looking at maximizing, you know, kind of the power profile for each guy of what we're doing. Um, and again, like you mentioned, the college landscape changed a little bit. It's, you know, it's, it's getting weird now, whether you have that, that four-year cycle, that five-year cycle. Um, and then even at this level, you know, some of these guys, some of these guys, you only got one year and that's just kind of what it is. And you know, so you gotta, you gotta be mindful of that as well. How about, how about the COVID year? Has that affected you at all with eligibility changes related to COVID-19? Uh, you know, we're not there yet. We had people that, that could have had an extra year, but, you know, graduated and, and have gone on to, to better opportunities. But I think we're still another year out from seeing people that are going to use that extra year and kind of what that actually looked like and what it may look like for us. But I, I think it's good they gave the kids an opportunity to, to have that year back. Um, you know, they went through a lot. Everyone went through a lot. Um, so we'll see how it works out. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I like how you broke down your four-year, so your four or five-year plan there where, you know, it was just that simple movement-based program for year one, and then it kind of went into some holistic changes, you know, nutrition, overall just wellness for the athlete, and, and then it really dials in on performance. From a programming standpoint, how different – do you approach, you know, strength and conditioning in season when, when guys are at the, you know, they're, they're playing a lot, they're your key guys and you are, uh, you're trying to maximize their performance every day and you're trying to keep them strong and powerful. Like you said, maximize that power profile. 
you know, what does that look like in terms of uh, exercises and maybe any technology or other areas you look at? Yeah, so I would say for us, the, the biggest change program from a programming standpoint in season is going to be the volume. The, the guys just can't handle as much of it, obviously, with the volume also going up that they're doing on the floor. Uh, so we make the adjustment there, and, that, and that's based off of uh, minutes as well. So, you know, if you're not playing a bunch, then you can handle a little more volume, and we'll find ways to, you know, even if it's pickup from a conditioning standpoint, we're doing that on the floor. Uh, so being mindful of that at all times is going to be, like, the, the number one piece for us. Uh, from an exercise standpoint, I won't say throughout the year, there's really no exercise that we don't, that, you know, we're not an Olympic program or we're not a whatever. There's nothing that we don't do. Uh, we just try to find the exercise for each guy uh, that can work. And obviously in season, as you know, in basketball, you, you know, people step on ankles and people get, you know, knocked down and bruised or whatever. So you're always kind of making modifications there. So we're not, you know, hard set, dead set on one exercise and everybody's going to do this this week. Um, you know, for guys that have been around and kind of earned it, we give them a little autonomy as well, especially in season, because uh, it can be a long season. So, you know, there, there's plenty of days where, you know, I always say the exercises don't necessarily matter. We're trying to, we're going for a stimulus. So, you know, we'll kind of give the guys, a, you know, a box to work within and, and they can figure out their own, uh, you know, exercise for that day. Uh, kind of gives them a little bit more buy-in there, I think as well. Um, keeps keeps kind of motivational there with, excuse me, the motivation level there a good bit too, especially when it's, you know, saying late in, late in February and that sort of thing. For sure. One thing I think about with basketball and you know, I found myself at a, a G league game a few years ago and I'd never really been in the presence of three, seven footers before, but you, I was like, you know, it just blew me away. Just how tall that, that is. Uh, and so from a training standpoint, I want to talk about height adjustments. You know, what types of exercises get favored in the sport of basketball simply because guys have longer levers or need more core stability to support movement? Is that something you think about on the training side at all? You know, it, it is, but, uh, you know, obviously you want, you want everybody to be able to have the freedom of movement to be able to do everything. I think for us, especially the bigger guys, and we, we just got some seven footers in. Um, and so, so it's fun working with some of those guys and seeing kind of, you know, some of the things you, 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 you thought work, you're like, all right, maybe that's not gonna work. But, you know, I think a lot of single leg work is huge for those guys. Um, and we spend a lot of time, ISO holds, uh, different split squat variations. I think they, they, they look better, perform a little bit better doing those uh, and gain a little more confidence doing those. Now that's not to say they don't they don't do any bilateral squatting. I'm not necessarily talking about back squatting, but you know, we do bend their knees with both legs at the same time, whether it's you know saying front squat, goblet squat, whatever. Um, but I think we get a lot of uh, a lot of bang out of our buck for for the single leg work with those guys. Yeah, a couple of things you've said that really connect with how I approach training with professional baseball players is, you know, talking about the taller athletes, and and you also said finding basically finding the exercise that works well with the athlete you know finding a solution for them and so that's something that you know I think sometimes we forget when we're we're building strength and we're building power that you know coordination precedes that in a lot of ways and and the sport of basketball these guys are unbelievable athletes but what makes that athleticism is the fact that they're very coordinated athletes and they move well and when they don't 
things like isometrics, like you said, those can be really good foundational strength movements to, to support, you know, further training. And, uh, yeah, I really like that. And it, it related, I, I thought it connected so closely. It hit just where, you know, where I felt like at the professional level, and I know college basketball, I mean, these guys are very elite in the game. And, uh, so it, it really, uh, it, I think that's really interesting. It's hundred percent. Cause I said the same thing. I said, like, we have guys that come in and can do some incredible things on the basketball court. And then, uh, you know, we're doing like a band good morning and we can't figure out a hit management. It's, it's, you know, it's not their fault, but you just got to work with them and figure out where they're at and, and progress them along. Uh, you know, you're, you're trying to get them in positions that they haven't, they haven't had to be in before and hold and be stable and, and really own. So uh, you just work with them. Yeah. I want to ask you something, you know, with the level of athletes you work in, I think basketball is one of those sports that we talk about athleticism a lot. Do most of your players today come from multi-sport backgrounds or would you say they play primarily basketball up until when you get to work with them? We, I think we've actually got a good mix, to be honest with you. Uh, we, we got a good mix of people who, who played multiple sports and that's something we just, you know, just do random conversations you have with, with guys, you ask them those For questions sure. just to get a little bit background on, on where they're at. Um, well, we've got a few who've, who've just, just played basketball since they were, you know, fourth grade, fifth grade. Um, we've got a couple guys who, like I said, you know, kind of, kind of that eighth grade point, ninth grade point, they just kind of, kind of shut it down on the other sports and just focused on one, which is fine as well. Um, yeah. That's always one of those conversations, long-term athlete development. And uh, you know, you know, I have kids, so I always hear about, you know, physical education and youth and how that's changed from when we were kids uh, to what it looks like today. But I think it's sometimes it's an assumption that, you know, kids uh, aren't playing multiple sports or need to be playing multiple sports. But, you know, maybe there's a way that to develop uh, in both directions. You know, if you are an athlete that focuses on training for one sport early and are intrinsically motivated to do that uh maybe that's something strength and conditioning coaches can support as well so just gets me thinking i wanted to ask because basketball is such an athletic sport so mike you know we talked a little bit about your navy background and tactical strength and conditioning is something you haven't worked in but it's something that you have experienced and uh in and lived through so I just want to get your perspective on this is an emerging area for opportunities, professional opportunities in the field for a lot of coaches. Uh, from your military experience, you know, what were some of the big needs that you saw uh, in the area of strength and conditioning that would have helped you? You know, looking back on it, I think having some sound, you know, like scientifically based proven training methods would have been, would have been great. And that's not to say what we were doing were was completely off the wall, but it was just kind of, you know, when you're, when you're younger in the military, you're just kind of, you're there and you, you're going to go do it. Um, you know, I look at back on some of the things we were doing and some of the, just some of the nagging injuries that I, I saw people that I was stationed with go through and that sort of thing. And, you know, knowing what I know now, looking back, I'm like, Oh, okay. We could probably, maybe if we did this a little bit different. We could have worked out. So I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's a need that that's, that's coming along. Uh, I think it's going to be great as, uh, you know, I think down the road, hopefully the other branches kind of pick up on what's kind of going on with the army right now with the whole H2F thing. But uh, I think it'll be great uh, for all parties involved and, you know, kind of, kind of 
help build a little bit more robust of our of our military and keep them strong and healthy moving forward. For sure. And I, I think it's exciting to see uh, whether it's college coaches or professional coaches seeking out these opportunities now. And and there a lot of them are getting their experience in sport and then seeing it as a, as a way that, you know, maybe they didn't go in the military, but just out of respect for our country, you know, that it's an opportunity to to give back in a way that maybe they didn't anticipate would have having that opportunity. Uh, yeah. So I want to ask you, we have a lot of young coaches that listen to this podcast and uh, I think they tune in to get advice from those that have been in the field. And so I just want to say what, what advice did you get as a young strength coach when you first got started that maybe has lasted with you to today, or what advice do you give to, uh, to young coaches when you have the opportunity? So, you know, I, I always say, like, I think I've been lucky enough to work around some coaches who gave me real honest advice from the get-go. Um, one of those things that, you know, I constantly harp on young coaches is, is be yourself. Don't, don't feel like you need to be your favorite strength coach on Twitter or Instagram. You know what I'm saying? Be yourself, uh, coach within that, uh, and, and do what's best for the student athletes that you get to work with, or if you're in a tactical setting, the, you know, the, the soldiers that you get to work with, whoever you get to work with, um, it's probably be the biggest piece. Um, you know, I think being consistent, just, you know, in your message, what you're looking for, understanding that kind of, I always tell them, understand that, you know, your abilities, your appearance and your attitude is on display every day. So, you know, people pick up on that. Your athletes pick up on the people you train, pick up on that every day. The other piece I would say probably just, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what I got there. No, it's good. It's funny. I, when I was in college, I took a coaching theory class and it was actually the uh, women's basketball coach who was teaching it. And I, I remember he gave similar advice. He's like, you know, number one thing to coaching is be yourself. And I think the last thing you want to hear when you're knee deep in student loan debt and uh, you're, you got to pass all these tests and you're going to school is like, you're good enough now. Like, just be yourself. You know, it's like, no, well, I wanted a little bit more than that. I wanted some X's and O's, some, yeah. and it made me think after the fact is that, you know, it's about authenticity of being, you know, being yourself as a coach and as a communicator. And, uh, but I, I remember maybe not receiving that advice well the first time, but then later on in my coaching career, coming back to him being like, okay, I get that now. It totally makes sense because the athletes see through it when you're not your authentic self. 100%. And I would also, the, you know, the other piece I'd say with that, like, I think you, when you're, when you're getting in and like you said, when you, you know, you're up to your face in student loans and you know, the, you're doing the dirty work, like don't say no to an opportunity because you, you never know what that may turn into down the road or, or, you know, how you meet somebody there or who that may help you out down or whatever. Um, and that's not always to say, you know, you're always looking for the next place, but I just think, you know, now I've thought about this cause I was just helping somebody do a search and you know, one of the first questions you get is how much to pay. And it's like, if, you, if you're interested in a position, like you're going to go and not really care how much it pays and you'll just figure it out. That's just how it goes. And I, that's a whole nother topic of discussion with the field of strength and conditioning, but uh, to, don't, don't say no to an opportunity just cause you never know what, what could be next after that. Yeah. No, I think that's, that's great advice right there. And just want to dive in. This is probably a common podcast question in our field right now, but 
as you know, you had a lot of life experience coming from the military, getting into the coaching profession. Uh, not all young coaches have that. A lot of times this is their uh, young professional experience. And so there's a lot of learning to be had. What, what are some non-weight room skills that you see as vital for strength and conditioning coaches? Um, I would say being flexible is not 100%. You, you got to do it. Even, even now, like you said, I've worked with coach for years and our, you know, this is our fifth year together. Our, our schedule changes all the time. So, you know, I, I can't be rigid and, and get mad when something changes. Uh, you you got to always be adaptable. Understand that, you know, the strength conditioning program is one piece of the entire program. Um, and it's, it's the head coach's program. So at the end of the day, you got to kind of know where, <laughs> know where the chips fall on that piece. Um, like I said, be consistent with, with the, uh, you know, the folks you get to work with, the men and women you get to work with, uh, you know, not only are they, they're looking at you for help, you know, when it comes to, to the weight room stuff, but also just, just life stuff. Um, like I said, being consistent and being yourself. And they, they notice that, uh, you know, we speak, we meet as a staff, you know, multiple times a week. And it's just, it, it, it shocks me sometimes how aware, uh, how aware these athletes are about every piece of the program. <laughs> yeah. Hey, one thing I, I think about a lot is today's athletes are, they crave information, you know, they crave, uh, you know, whether we're testing or you see it on social media, you know, there's, there's a lot more awareness to the uh, analytical or testing and evaluation side of strength and conditioning. Uh, I want get, to get your crystal ball out here and just maybe think, think about this a little bit. You know, what do you see the field looking like in five to 10 years with just sort of the current push towards more technology uh, and, and just some of these new areas that we're talking about? Yeah, um, that's a tough one. I, I mean, I think it's going to continue to evolve. Obviously, the technology, the analytics side of it is going to continue to be huge. Uh, like I said, coaches, our coach's background is in high school math. So he's he's giving me a whole new perspective. He wants everything in numbers and how we're kind of looking at it. And so he's challenged me in different ways to find new ways of looking at what we're doing and, and tracking progress in different ways. Uh, so I, I think that will continue uh, across the board. I think the push, will, like we said, the tactical route's getting bigger. Uh, I think I think that stuff will leak into kind of other areas. Um, hopefully, the public high school route gets uh, gets a little bigger um, and continues to grow because there's a there's a ton of opportunities there. Um, but you know, I, I think I think the sports science route is also going to open a lot of opportunities, both in college and in the private setting. Uh, as far as having you know, kind of kind of like you look at it now, where you have those ATs with CSCS, kind of almost like dual purpose roles. Well, now you can almost have that sports science, you know, CSCS role. I think it'll be, it'll be valuable as well. Um, and just having a greater experience there, greater understanding um, for that, for that kind of niche. I'm glad you mentioned that. And I think in this role, I get to think about that a lot, the landscape of our profession, the different audiences and, and coaching audiences that, that make up the strength and conditioning coach field. And you did a great job of really just showing areas that, one that have progressed, you know, and obviously tactical, so many opportunities right now and some areas that we still have a lot of work to do. And I think high school strength and conditioning. And, and one thing I think about a lot with high school strength and conditioning is uh, the NSCA is working towards accreditation of the CSCS. So that's going to include a practical element to the CSCS exam uh, that is included in the education program. 
uh, that leads up to being able to take the test. And with that, you know, it's the same thing that happened with athletic training and physical therapy and some of these other professions that students get put in that position where they have to choose their profession maybe a little bit sooner. And so where I think, you know, you get to give maybe some of your athletes their first exposure to legitimate strength and conditioning, uh, the value of having strength coaches at the high school level, it also becomes very career, uh, career focus as well. You know, it's uh, not everybody's going to make it to the pros. Not everybody's going to be a college athlete, but there might be a lot of great strength and conditioning coaches that come up through high school that see it as a viable career path. So that's something I think about a lot. And man, you touched on like all those audiences and one thing, you know, one thing I was just in a conversation the other day with somebody that also worked in pro baseball and it was, it was something where you know, baseball was a growing area of the field in the early 2000s. There was a lot of opportunity there. And it's the same thing in tactical now. And so that's, uh, I know you're, I know you're coming from the men's basketball side of things, the college sports side of things, but I think that's a great piece of advice for young coaches that we've been talking about advice for is look at, look at what opportunities are available and get your experience where you can, like you said, you know, don't, don't say no to an opportunity because you don't maybe have a full picture of what that looks like. Yeah, 100%. And, I, I, and that's another piece. I think the, uh, you know, on the university side, the, you know, the single sport strength coach, I think that's going to grow. I mean, we see it, you see it a lot more on the baseball side and in college. I think you'll see it, you know, I think hockey's growing, uh, the college hockey side, and even, you know, some of these volleyball and volleyball programs are, are getting, uh, I know here our softball program does an amazing job, and that's another thing that's also kind of, kind of, kind of chasing around the country and growing around the country is those uh, those softball programs. Yeah, that's awesome. So, Mike, for our listeners today, what's the best way to get in contact if they want to reach out? Uh, shoot me an email if, if they'd like. M Snowden at ia.ua.edu is probably the easiest way. Um, other than that, I'm on social media everywhere. It's just Mike underscore underscore Snowden. Um, I'm available. So awesome. Mike, really, uh, really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, to our listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'd also like to thank Sorenex Exercise Equipment. We appreciate their support. From the NSCA, thank you for listening to the NSCA Coaching Podcast. We serve you, the coaching community. So follow, subscribe, and download for future episodes. We look forward to connecting with you again soon and hope you'll join us at an upcoming NSCA event or in one of our special interest groups. For more information, go to nsca.com. This was the NSCA's Coaching Podcast. The National Strength and Conditioning Association was founded in 1978 by strength and conditioning coaches to share information, resources, and help advance the profession. Serving coaches for over 40 years, the NSCA is the trusted source for strength and conditioning professionals. Be sure to join us next time.